Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Print, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology within the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology here at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And today I have a special guest, Mr. John Osborne, Operations Administrator at Mayo Clinic and my Administrative Partner for the Division of Clinical Microbiology. While microbiologists have been dealing with the science of monkeypox, John has taken on what might actually be a more challenging task, which is coordinating the logistics and the operations of monkeypox PCR testing so that we can safely receive and test specimens from around the country and quickly ramp up to provide as many tests that are needed in a timely fashion with very high quality. So John, thank you so much for being with us today. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so, you know, I think maybe we'll start off with just an introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your responsibilities as my administrative partner are? I'm guessing it's to keep me in line. That's the part that isn't in the job description, but certainly <laughs> is probably the first bullet. But um, I've been in operations and administration at Mayo Clinic for almost 20 years now, which is slightly terrifying. And my role as an administrator is to ensure that we're executing on our mission um, as effectively and efficiently as possible. So like you mentioned, you've been looking at and ensuring that we've got good science in our division for microbiology. Your responsibility is to make sure we're providing high quality, clinically relevant, scientifically valid testing. My part of that equation is to ensure that we can do that effectively and in a timely fashion. I'm responsible for making sure we've got the space and the staff and the supplies and the systems necessary to be able to execute on our clinical mission. Which is quite a lot, especially when you have an emerging pathogen and you've had to deal this with this with COVID. Joining us during COVID, actually, which I thought was incredibly brave of you, and now with monkeypox. So you want to take us from the very start of what you ended up doing right from the beginning when we had decided to be one of the five laboratories that the CDC was going to provide test reagents for monkeypox with? Sure. And remember, I was a liberal arts major, so I've had <laughs> just enough science background to know what some of the words mean, but have been really significantly impressed with our team's ability to kind of mobilize quickly. We were approached by CDC and FDA uh, in late June as the federal government was looking at how to expand its access for testing to the emerging, at the time, emerging monkeypox outbreak. And they approached several of the large clinical reference laboratories in across the country to supplement the capability that's provided by state health department labs, who are usually the first go-to for outbreak of infectious disease. But not knowing where this was going to head and what sort of support would be necessary, the government thought having access through additional capacity in the private sector was helpful. The CDC had already developed an assay and in collaboration with FDA had it cleared under the 510K rule. So it was for us essentially a test kit like we could put from any other vendor. And we worked with the uh, CDC in the early days to verify their assay on our equipment and ensure that we got the same results that they did. 
Initially, we thought we were just going to be a backup to the public health labs and the laboratory response network. Pretty quickly, we were asked to ramp up our capacity and our ability to offer tests live. So in about three weeks from the middle, late part of June to July 11th, which is when we were able to start offering the assay, our team put together the test protocol, did a scramble to rearrange some equipment, uh, ensure that we could do the assay with this particular organism safely and minimize the chance for contamination or risk to other staff and get it up and running, which we did. My role in most of it was to be the cheerleader, to be perfectly frank. Our developer did a tremendous job working with CDC on the assay. Uh, Our lab staff really rallied to look at where we could find space and what equipment was available to be repurposed to do this, because this, of course, was not on our plan for the year. So we didn't have resources pre-assigned to be ready to go when this came up. Well, you know, I I speak every week with Dr. Maurice, and we always talk about the fact that we're now expecting outbreaks and emerging pathogens every three to five years. So we're going to have to definitely learn from this whole experience and figure out what went well and and what our challenges were, because we're probably going to have to do this again in a few years. And John, hopefully I didn't just scare you away and you'll continue to be my administrator in clinical microbiology. So one of the things actually, part of the roles that I've had with Mayo and in the past have been on our emergency preparedness and incident management team. So some of this was great because I could use those skills that I've developed to just be able to say, okay, we got a problem. We got to fix it in a short period of time. And how are we going to get there? But I think you're exactly right. And the lessons we learned with COVID already came into play with this assay. We were concerned about how quickly we'd be able to get capacity and support both our public health partners, our internal practice across our enterprise, as well as our reference lab customers, many of whom have been seeking a solution to get timely answers to diagnostic questions around around monkeypox. And we're still working on it. So the initial assay as provided and worked on with CDC is very hands-on and have been actually very pleased with the relationship we have with CDC and FDA, where they have been very open to working with the reference labs to develop automated extraction methods and approve them to develop and validate the assay on many platforms so that it can be provided as many places as possible. So we are currently still working towards automating as much of this assay as possible, which will give us substantially more capacity than we can do right now by hand. But The assay has changed almost every day since we started doing it as uh, new information comes in, as the CDC works to make the steps more efficient and our other partner uh, colleague labs um, are gaining more experience along with us in feeding that back. So what would you say has been the biggest challenge so far? Our first meeting when we said we were going to start to do monkeypox testing, um, and even though we were all on Zoom, right, you could just watch everybody die a little bit inside when they said, oh, here we go again, Uh right? We just got through covid I think the biggest challenge here has been staffing. Our volume has been really extraordinary over the past year, as you know, and this wasn't on our test menu uh, until about a month ago. And so we didn't plan to have the resources available to do this. So it's been a challenge to find available resources with minimal impact to the rest of our testing to make sure that we can continue to offer our full test menu, but also provide additional capacity for this. The rest of it, the supplies and the space came very easily. Moved some boxes out of a room, put a fan in the ceiling, and uh, we're good to go. Really, it's been the staffing that continues to be my big worry about how we'll be able to continue to do this, particularly if we have a big flu and or COVID season this fall, and how these competing requirements for public health testing are going to play out. 
we definitely faced that early on in COVID too. Initially, of course, COVID, everything was shut down and all we were really doing were the essentials. But then you have to really ramp back up and do your normal testing again. The show must go on. People get illnesses. They have all sorts of other medical conditions. It's not just COVID. And of course, now we're adding monkeypox to that. But yet we still have to do blood cultures and PCR for HSV and other things. So yeah, staffing is going to be a challenge. I think every lab in the country has been facing that. What are Without some of the creative <clears throat> things you've had to do to get staffing to cover all of our essential testing plus this new monkeypox test? One of the things we learned how to do fairly well during the peak of COVID was be flexible in assignments. So there are a cadre of our staff who were primarily doing COVID testing. And as that COVID testing volume has decreased, we have been assigning to other assays. And helpfully, even with the BA5 variant seeming to be more widespread, our demand for PCR COVID testing hasn't increased all that much. So we've been able to move some of our kind of surge staffing, surge capacity for COVID to free up staff to do monkeypox. Our lab staff and lab supervisors have also been very creative in looking at how do we start to break down some historical barriers or silos that might have existed, right? Like I'm a virologist or I'm a parasitologist to I'm a microbiologist and therefore can utilize my skills in particularly molecular techniques across organism types. And so one week I might be in our hepatitis HIV lab, another week I might be in our vector-borne lab, and now I might be taking that skill and experience and applying it to monkeypox. So appreciate that we've got a team that has good technical expertise, but also willingness to be flexible when it comes to whatever the, the test of the day happens to be. We've definitely had to be flexible for sure. And uh, I think we've learned a lot in that process. And there's been a few uh, silver linings of all of these different you know, emergencies, the pandemic that have come out of this. That's probably one of them. Our staff, not just in our division, but across the lab and even in some of our you know, research labs and, and other places, our laboratorians are very interested in contributing. So I remember with COVID, we had a surge and we needed people to do the grunt work, label test tubes and aliquot samples. And if they can train someone like me to do that, we can train yeah, anybody you were in to there, do it. John, right? I did. I spent some time in the hood. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> but I think that sort of willingness to contribute when there is an unmet need is really a great strength of our team and really appreciate that, as well as the kind of creativity I've posed to the team, the difficult question of what are we going to have to stop doing in order to be able to do monkeypox? Because Again, our team wants to produce results. Out. That's what they that's what they're here to do. And so I've engaged them in thinking about, okay, what maybe right mosquitoes and ticks, hopefully, right, that season ends soon. Who knows? But how do we start to transition or make plans to transition from our vector-borne season into our respiratory season? Mm -hmm. And do we add now monkeypox into that mix? Yeah. It's definitely a lot to think about. So I'm very grateful that I have you as my partner in all of this. So in your opinion, what would be some of the big successes out of our monkeypox testing so far? I think organizationally, we've been able to leverage the trust that I think this division has built within the department and across the institution through COVID so that when we asked for help and resources, we got it immediately because I think we've demonstrated to the department and others like IT and facilities that we don't ask for things that we don't need. And so have really been able to leverage strong relationships with our partners in IT, in facilities, in supply chain to really mobilize quickly to get 
our LIS updated, to get our EHR updated, to get our facilities built to support this testing. I think we've also developed a very strong relationship with our colleagues in the reference lab business who are, again, trying to provide as best service to their customers as possible, recognizing our capacity is, is pretty limited right now. And so balancing those pressures to provide wide access, to provide timely response um, has been good. I think the partnership with CDC and FDA has also been very strong. The fact that we had a 510K cleared assay with good instructions and a reliable set of supplies and reagents coming in meant we could really get up to speed quickly compared to if we had had to bring it up as an LDT where we would have to be starting from scratch, essentially doing all of the original validation and kind of preliminary investigation beyond just being able to take and confirm, yep, works like you said it would and get up to speed. Whether or not we have to do an LDT or need to look at other ways to provide more capacity in the future, I think is going to depend a lot on what happens with the outbreak. And one of the things we'll need to decide is, are there ways we could leverage some of our kind of high throughput, high capacity platforms if this becomes endemic and it just becomes part of the test catalog? Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of us are asking those same questions, John, of is this going to become part of our sexually transmitted disease testing menu? We have a vaccine, which we don't have for many of our sexually transmitted pathogens. So perhaps not. I guess only time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any last words that you want to share with our audience? Life in general, what it's like to work with me. I apologize for that. One of the things actually that I enjoy most about the role that I've had at the clinic. So I've had a chance to work in surgery, in referring physician relations, and in our international activity, and now in the laboratory to be an opportunity to work with people who are leaders in their field, like yourself, in a way that is collaborative and respectful and empowering is really thrilling. And to have access to that type of thinking and that type of innovation and the ability to say kind of every day, kind of what are we going to do tomorrow that's going to make us even better? And what are the things that we're going to keep doing that really can't be done anywhere else is pretty awesome. So if you're listening to this and you want to be part of something that is pretty awesome and you've taken some undergraduate science, I am desperate for people to work in the laboratory. So uh, we would love to have you. And if not, just continue to do what you're doing to try to not get COVID and not get monkeypox so that uh, we're able to manage our capacity as best we can. Excellent advice. Well, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and hearing your side of this as the monkeypox testing uh, continues. So um, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And I'm sure I will see you on a Zoom screen very soon. I'm sure. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.